On this episode of Talks of Life, I talk with Kyle Rawson, one of the founders of Mang. Launched in 2015, Mang is a fishing apparel and gear company started by twin brothers Kyle and Keith, whose mission is to change the world one mangrove at a time. For every product you buy, one mangrove tree is planted. They have planted over 200,000 mangroves. In 2018, they began planting internationally so they could help protect coastlines in other countries affected by deforestation and pollution. In this episode, you will learn the importance of mangroves, why Mang was started, and how you can help support the mission of Mang. Check out Mang out on Instagram at Manggear and their website, www.manggear.com. Looks like you're working from home, hey? Yeah, working from home, exactly, in my office. In West Palm or where? Yeah, our office is in West Palm Beach, exactly. So yeah, no, just uh, excited to see you're still pursuing your natural world stuff. Because when we were in Colorado, you told me you didn't, you didn't have hope in nature, and I was upset about that. <laughs> well, you know how uh, disempowering it can be when you're like, oh, everything's just not regulated. It's No one's taking care of anything. Uh, but there are indeed individuals out there who do give a damn. And Definitely. Um, yeah, that was kind of like one of my points I took away from my environmental studies career or degree at uh, FGCU was just everything was on a decline. All my teachers are like, uh, this is going down. This is going down. It's just kind of frustrating because one teaching shouldn't be about like showing the negatives. It should always be like, in my opinion, it's all about the positives. So like, there's just so much like good research and knowledge out there. But the problem with the science community is, is that they don't have a way to uh, market. They don't know how to like talk. They don't know how to influence. They don't know politics. They like do, they spend five years on a research project and then it just turns into a peer reviewed journal that no one can access without paying, right? So it's just it's kind of bullshit. Or even if they can, they don't understand that level of communication. So it's a two way. It's a two way for sure. Yeah, definitely. Cool. What degree so, did you end up getting from FGCNL? Environmental? Envi- environmental studies. And you'd say was, you got a pretty good experience, field work, and that kind of led you to discovering your passion with this work or not necessarily? Um, yeah, so like uh, we were required to do internships. So I naturally was looking for something in the environment, outdoors, um, and then found Rookery Bay down south in Naples and literally it was like hounded them for like three months before they like just gave me some random, like pretty much uh, – I don't know. I was just like, I, I did everything. So I cleaned tanks. I taught like environmental lessons on oysters and mangroves. We did like, a, a, I'd like do water quality analysis of the tanks and stuff. And then I was supposed to get out in the field and do water quality, but I never had the opportunity to. And then I did the turtle research and bird watching. So, um, so there was just like a multiple things that were super cool and learned a little bit about mangroves down there. But, um, most of my mangrove research was, uh, there was a guy there. Jeff is a super cool guy, and, and uh, he just kind of told me, like, if I'm into it, then you should just soak up as much knowledge as you can about mangrove ecosystems. And then I got to meet a guy named Robin Lewis, who actually passed this past year. And Robin was uh, a pioneer in the world of mangroves and told me that he's planted thousands of mangroves and told me that it's a waste of time. And I said, it's not. <laughs> so, but his uh, his philosophy, uh, he, had, he had a, I think it was, Coastal, I don't know, coastal, his nonprofit was like coastal protection or something like that. I forget the name of it. But um, basically, uh, his whole philosophy was hydrology. So introducing hydrologic flows, 
so that you can incorporate mangrove restoration in the natural cycle. Um, but my bit, like my firm belief was always like, we have to have an opportunity to give human intervention in things because humans are like the main reason that things are like not like going right. So like, we don't have land for mangroves to grow. Mangroves will never grow. We don't have like space for mangroves to grow. So Mang is thinking innovatively as we grow um, on how we can only continue to improve mangrove restoration and then bring new ideas to market um, as we as we kind of punch down the list of things we're, we're getting accomplished. For sure. So, I mean, your philosophy and like vision for the company hasn't changed since you launched it in 2015 or things have kind of shifted differently? I think the core values have always stayed the same. Um, I'm big into education. So that's kind of the, like my biggest passion is like teaching people about what we do and how we do it. Um, outside of that, obviously, putting some really cool gear out there has always been a passion of ours. Just throw some sweet swag out. Um, I never had any ambitions to own an apparel brand ever, nor did I ever think I would be in the apparel industry today. But uh, understanding that there is, it's a great way to brand yourself and to influence people around you. I didn't realize that the platform was going to grow into something that was like really going to have an impact on people's lives the way it has. So when I first like, cause I'd literally had one hat when I was at FGCU selling them to fishing club kids. I mean, I didn't really think the brand was going to have the legs it has today. That's really awesome. And you built a team around it or is it still just you and your brother? Like, there's a Yeah, I've got, um, we've got a, a team of like different people. So I've got probably six active people that work around Mang, And then I've got a, a warehouse down in Pompano. So we've got uh, director of sustainability, which is my mom. Uh, KJ, so she's a, a teacher of interior design and biomimicry. So she knows she incorporates nature with uh, with design. So she's like she's so she's like looks into she's just into like crazy stuff. And then Keith's kind of our, our director of operations. So he and graphic design, he does a bunch of stuff. I'm the CEO, and then we have uh, a director of marketing, and then I also have a, a, a cinematographer that's on retainer, and then I have. Uh, another like kind of marketing graphic design guy and a couple of, we have uh, two interns right now too. So cool. And yeah, you couldn't produce that work without them. You would say, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't have no. the tools for success for any of that stuff. No, I'm not trained up in that. <laughs> That's so. awesome. So, I mean, with the outreach stuff, um, I know a few months ago, maybe you had planted a bunch of mangroves in your community, right? Mm -hmm. that was the yeah. We just done that initiative or. No, no, we've been planting mangroves in Palm Beach County since we started, um, like totaling over 15,000. So uh, we've been very active in our local community here. Uh, right before the whole uh, COVID-19 thing hit, we were uh, we did the first stage of a large project called Tarpon Cove and filled up the South Island. Uh, there's two islands, and uh, we were supposed to do the North Island, and then that event had to be postponed. So we're hoping to get back out there this summer and then put another 900 to 1,000 mangroves at the North Island. Um, doing some research and stuff like that is always fun. We do test plantings, and then, um, it's a good way to get the community involved as well. So we work with local schools, kids, uh, different nonprofits, and try to just incorporate as much of the people we can. So, And then we just did a, a small little planting over on the West Coast with uh, Santa Bell Sea School back in March, too. Uh, I think it was 300 mangroves there. So. It's been fun. It's been a good year. We've actually got a lot of mangroves in the ground. So. Do you know how many to date you have like 
total planted or? Um, we've got an, a new project in Madagascar. It's uh, 49 acres uh, through one of our nonprofit partners. So we've been helping to support them for the past year and a half. Uh, I'll, let, I'll keep them anonymous for now until we launch on the new website. Uh, but yeah, we've planted uh, roughly over 100,000 with them. Um, but the new project we just adopted this year, as of January, is going to fulfill about 120,000 mangroves um, just to fulfill our needs that we need. And uh, that one, each, each month we do about 1,000 mangroves, or sorry, 10,000 mangroves per month there, which is awesome. So, and that helps to feed villagers, helps to promote life over there. Uh, cost of living is way, way, way cheaper. So you get a lot of bang for your buck um, as far as like, how much impact you can have in those small communities. So that's pretty impactful. That's the, like, we didn't realize we'd ever get into like international planting when we started. And then that kind of opened up in 2018. We were like, well, we can't really keep up with our demand anymore. So the brand was growing. We had to figure out ways, okay, where can we go? And um, we thought that our customer base wasn't gonna like attract to that because we're all like such Florida salty people. And then um, people were actually really open to the idea of helping out more than just our local communities. And, you know, we all live on the planet together, so it's really important that we, we connect, um, connect that mangrove ecosystems are really helping out more than just our local um, areas and that everything is interconnected between our environments in South America, environments in Africa, and it all, it all revolves around one system, right? So, Is the mangrove tree itself pretty universal, you know, outside of, like, our ecosystem? It's more like red, white, and black, of course. So do they have the same like species over there it's all very it's a little bit different um we particularly plant red mangroves everywhere um those are kind of like our main species that we plant uh outside of that there are 70 different genus species of mangroves so that's like one of the like one of the water one of the, like the wildest things is like they, some of them look just like palm trees so it's like okay how's that a mangrove but that's like different classifications through whatever scientist says this is a mangrove i guess applies i think it's the 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 main factor that gives mangroves like their their niche is their ability to secrete salt water or to block it at the root so i think that's where they get their classifications for most of those so i'm not sure uh i don't i, don't, I haven't dove into the world of those types of mangroves but yeah reds blacks whites buttonwoods that's florida and then we also deal with that in our international projects like in honduras uh we did a small project down there um two summers ago did about a thousand mangroves with a little group called Bika. Um, and each one has a different reason for why the mangroves are on the climb. So you have uh, coastal development, shrimp farming, uh, charcoal farming is huge and was huge in Madagascar. Charcoal, yeah, like for like wood, like to burn, right? And then uh, uh, Florida, man, it's just coastal development. We get some hurricanes here and there. So natural disasters is one of the big reasons that we see some declines in some areas. But it's the natural system so i don't know if it's like a bad thing sometimes it's like it's good to let new life come back up so uh, but we are trying to like so in the bahamas right now we're working on a, an active project with btt to outplant uh probably over over a hundred thousand mangroves or more in the, in the next couple of years uh so we've actually started to uh, collect over ten thousand mangroves from last season and then we're doing a more active campaign to introduce more mangroves by actually involving the local community uh, in the Bahamas itself by uh, encouraging them to start their own mangrove farms. So we're, we've kind of, we're in the kind of the beginning processes of it. Uh, COVID kind of has set everything back, obviously, with our ability to like, we were supposed to be in Abaco right now or at the beginning of April. 
um, just checking things out, meeting the locals and just getting a feel for um, how much restoration needs to be done because it's a pretty significant amount uh, just because uh, there's not going to be a huge surplus. The, the problem with islands is there's not a huge surplus of new mangroves. So like there's not like a, a seed population that's just going to repopulate like all looking at like 10, 15, 20 years before we have like a natural mangrove environment that's like back up and established once you start to plant. So it takes time, it takes time for like that recruitment. And a lot of our business model is based around the mangrove itself and like how mangroves grow. So like each year we put out new legs, new crop roots, and we grow attracting new partners, attracting new business methods, uh, becoming more sustainable. Um, and we just add a new leg each year we grow and we kind of turn into like this big blossoming mangrove now. Um, and then we're also recruiting new mangroves like around that one mangrove. So like each year it's just the ecosystem continues to grow. So our whole philosophy has always been grown around the mangrove, which is fun. So it's kind of just like a neat way to look at like business and life and, and incorporate like those community partners and the people you want involved. So. No, and it's all, like you said, so interconnected and that's, exactly that you know those root systems there mm -hmm. they're all exactly. communicating with one another so it's useful um yeah, so red mangroves if i remember correctly they do like self-propagate themselves is that one of the reasons why you plant those specifically or yeah um so yeah it's one of the one of the big things is that once they fall from the tree they're already like a mature tree mm -hmm. so once all they're looking for is they're just they're just looking for ground right so they're looking for a place to settle um one of the big things here in Palm Beach County is we're just seawall, seawall. So there's just not a lot of natural places for them to settle. So the county's been building these islands for like the past 10 years. And we've just taken a part of a lot of those projects and been able to get the opportunity to plant with the county. And then outside of that, we've, we've been looking, we've looked around for projects on the West Coast, East Coast, anywhere we can get our feet wet. We, we pretty much donate mangroves to the cause. Um, and then we, have, we are like a certified nursery so we do sell mangroves time to time to different organizations or you know HOAs that need mangroves for whatever reason um, because uh, unfortunately like Florida's one of those places if you have enough money you can just kind of buy your weight through anything so there are mitigation banks that are set up for large hotels or restaurants that go in that take out mangroves um, I'm not I just don't get why we can't figure out how to build around mangroves or above them or keep them more ingrained in like our our core philosophies humans have lost a little bit of that but i don't know i think maybe covid will change things oh definitely it's shifting a lot of people's perception and awareness of just what we need of course yeah right what are the bare essentials um so with that i mean there is like regulations in florida though as far as you can't legally remove them i guess but if you pay enough money like you said there's a loophole and you can remove them huh yeah, I'm not, I don't know, the, I don't, I don't, I don't know enough of the side of how you get through all that, but I think it's a little bit of who you know, and a lot of bit of how much you have in your pocket, and then I don't know how they, I don't know how they wiggle their way through and where you start for that, but there is a process that they can get through that's probably a couple years, if I was to guess, but yeah, you can get, you can wiggle your way, like a weasel, I should say. And, and take them out but I don't know like Miami is a good example of that like what happened to Miami uh, and then Palm Beach obviously we our lagoon was like a freshwater lagoon 110 years ago and then they opened it up to the ocean so I don't really know what that even looked like before but I can imagine that it was pretty sick 
So. Really clean waters. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the real importance of these things, they're acting as nurseries, of course, to create more fish for the fisheries, etc. Um, but besides that, like they do act as filtration systems, correct? Yeah, exactly. So uh, mangroves, uh, so like the, the core things that mangroves do for our environment are, are uh, what? They stabilize shorelines, so they help with soil erosion. Um, and that stabilization, they help to keep our water more clean because they hold sediment, right? So there's less, uh, less sediment that goes into the water. We call that sediment, what is that? sediment overload, I think. Um, and then outside of that, we've got uh, detritus, so the leaves that drop into the water. Um, that's actually the breakdown and the basics for the food web. So bacteria grow on those, on those leaves. You have little amphipods and zooplankton and phytoplankton that congregate around those bacteria. And then you actually are, are kick-starting life. So like sheep sediment have come through and eat all that, right? Outside of that, we've got rookeries for birds. So birds use the canopy. We've got over 500 uh, native and migratory bird species that use Florida as a, as a central hub for uh, like their travel. And then, uh, and then fish for habitat for bird, fish for habitat for fish, habitat for oysters, habitat for barnacles, anything, all that. And then at the end of the day, you have some filtration. The oysters filter water that grow upon the, the prop roots. And then you also have a little bit of, I think they, there is a little bit of uptake of, of nutrients as well. Uh, phosphorus, sulfates, and stuff like that are uptaken into the tree and then excreted through that yellow leaf. Um, along with the salt. Yeah, so for people who don't know, I mean, these trees are, I think they're really special, of course, because they're adaptivity to the influx of salt water, fresh water, so they're just, I mean, truly magical. They they work with the flow, um, which is something we can learn from them too, of course. With the, like, causes that you support, like, I know some of the companies and, um, I guess, partnerships, more or less, that you're doing, you kind of brand them with the sh- shirt too? Is yes. That- yeah, yeah. So we do a monthly cause program for different nonprofits. Uh, for this month, it's Moat Marine Lab and Laboratory. Young lady who started Moat, she was her focus was on great white sharks, um, and that's where she started. She, she wanted to begin to understand uh, how great whites mig- migrated, what they did do, how they birthed, all that stuff, and that turned into something bigger. She started to focus on different environments and wanted to interconnect everything uh, around our ecosystems. So Moat was born, and now they have a really kick-ass coral lab laboratory down in uh, Summerlin Key. So I got to visit the, the laboratory, and basically they're fragging uh, corals in an effort to learn more about the resilience of corals in our ecosystems. Um, so we're seeing significant coral bleaching events all through the Florida Keys and all the way up past um, all pretty much the whole east coast of Florida. And we're trying to understand why those coral bleaching events are happening and what are the factors that drive coral bleaching. Um, so two of the main things that they've identified as significant factors um, due to climate change are um, ocean acidification and we have uh, temperature change. So they actually have different test tanks with the same type of corals, trying to find if there's a resiliency, basically you and I are different, right? But we're humans, but you may be more resilient resilient to COVID than I am. Does that make sense? So to connect it all, they're looking for people or corals that are more resilient to bleaching versus ones that are not uh, because there are ones that are stronger 
genomes than the others, right? So it's, it's a real interesting thing. They're not like hybridizing or creating new corals. They're just looking for like strains of ones that tend to be more resilient, that might have a better chance at being more successful against the fight for climate change and then adapt uh, faster. They've been able to replicate things called like, uh, and a lot of, there's other foundations out there that do this too, but it's called like pepperoniing. So basically think of a pepperoni pizza. Well, they come, they come to a coral head and they literally just pepper it with like uh, the same type. It has to be the same, has to be the same genome for starters. But basically they've been able to do what takes 25 years and two years by putting these in a pepperoni style where they grow together um, and grow way faster. So there, there's some, some good science out there. So definitely something to keep an eye on. So we're proud to be that partnership. We partnered with BTT, CCA, Caps for Clean Water, uh, you know, um, Save the Manatee. I mean, gosh, the list goes on. Fish for Change, Coral Restoration Foundation, Loggerhead Marine Life. Yeah, Restore the Flow. That's probably the biggest, that's probably one of our biggest campaigns out there was Restore the Flow. And that's what, that was like the first partnership we ever did. And that's the one that really tied to me because mangroves depend upon that like consistent, consistent, consistent uh, freshwater flow. And one of the big things is if they don't have the freshwater flow, then they're screwed. Uh, basically over time, those creeks that used to be open from freshwater year round from, from like that used to run all the way down Florida, all that water that ran down Florida, they close in and they create these little micro pockets behind the mangroves that get trapped with water. That water no, like that water no longer can flush. So after like 10 or 15 years, you have sulfates and nitrates that build up and the mangroves just shut off one day. Mm-hmm. So we see, so we're seeing like little events like that all through Florida. There's a good one called Fruit Farm Creek uh, down in Marco Island that people can check out. That was from building a road in between a mangrove forest. And it was way years, years and years ago before we knew what we were doing. Um, so by blocking natural water flow, we affect mangroves um, inherently. And we will see that as we continue to want to live upon the coast and um, not be tentative of our neighbors, the mangroves. Well, pretty cool. So, I mean, where do you foresee this like going? I know, has it even felt like five years you've been doing this work or it's gone by fast <laughs> fast and slow when i look back at it on it fast while i'm in it slow um it's just an interesting it's an evolved because it's more than just a mango restoration company it, the business of itself the apparel side of it is super demanding um, so it's just it drives us to okay we've got to continue to fund our mission so we're driving to make more sales we're driving to sell more products and then on the other side of it, it's like, well, I just want to plant mangroves. <laughs> so it's, it's, a, it's a fun balance. So just learning the ins and outs of the apparel industry have been fun. And then learning more and more about coastal restoration and driving in that field. So we get, we get to play a lot. Uh, we get to have more fun. I mean, we have a, a 25,000 mangrove nursery right in the back of the property here that we get to go maintain every day. Um, you know, I don't have any, I can't have any helpers on the, on the property right now. So it's just, I get to go out there and I'm taking care of 25,000 mangroves now, um, by myself. And my brother, Keith, his wife is a, uh, is a nurse and she's, she's in the hospital. So we're, we're, we're quarantined right now as far as, you know, her accessibility with each other. So we're making the best of it though. I'm glad I could help. 
Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I just really think your message and the purpose of the whole business is, is radical. And I think if more people could kind of see that you can do it successfully, more businesses would take that side of like the, not necessarily plant one or buy one plant one, of course, but sure. um, give back to the, to the to nature or wherever they're sourcing that product from. Yeah, the, the term is social entrepreneurism. And it's just, uh, it's bringing in uh, something good for the community. It doesn't have to be nature. It, it can be human focused. It can be, uh, you know, focused on anything that's that's helpful to the world. So if it's for nature, humans, I, I just call it like, uh, for like for our business, it's uh, people, planet, profit. So people first, always our community is most important. After that, we work on our planet. And then at the end of all that, we can hopefully profit from what we do. So I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with, with bringing in scalable business models that make sense that give back to the community, um, especially when I think you have a lot more flexibility to do good um, than you do over like, um, I wouldn't say over nonprofits because nonprofits do a lot of good, but they're limited by their board of directors and they have to jump through more hoops to do things. So, For sure. Yeah, now you guys are doing the right thing, and I'm really thankful to know you guys. Absolutely. Well, uh, April 22nd, we're launching our Planting Hope campaign. We have some cool things that we're going to be initiating. Um, it's a social activism campaign, and it's going to be encouraging people to help us plant more mangroves. So stay tuned. We'll be launching on all our media channels, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and then outside of that, it'll also be on our uh, brand-new website that launches on the 22nd as well. So we're doing a new website, new campaign. <laughs> we're busy. So everything's come together. Then. Yeah. The grind can't stop just because COVID's here. <laughs> we did not stop. If anything, I got more busy. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just off the, the beautiful thing is I'm off the road. Um, normally I'm booked every weekend all through May and spring. So whether it's going to a gala or running a seafood festival or a boat show, um, I never get time like this to kind of just hang around. So. But Enjoy cool. it while you can. <laughs> Thanks, Brittany. I appreciate you. Have a good one. Thank you. You too. All right, bye. Bye. bye.